0: This sermon was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative on Sermon Audio. There may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at infosermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. The Greatness of the Soul, Part 4. Part 4 by John Bunyan Of the Loss of the Soul Third, I shall now come to the third thing which was propounded to be spoken to, and that is, to show you what we are to understand by losing of the soul, or what the loss of the soul is. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? He that loseth his soul, loseth himself. First, the loss of the soul is a loss, in the nature of it peculiar to itself. There is no such loss as to the nature of loss, as is the loss of the soul. For that he that hath lost his soul, has lost himself. In all other losses, it is possible for a man to save himself. But he that loseth his soul, loseth himself. For what is a man advantaged, if he gain the whole world and lose himself? Wherefore, the loss of the soul is a loss that cannot be paralleled. He that loseth himself, loseth his all, his lasting all, for himself is his all, his all in the most comprehensive sense. What mattereth it what a man gets, if by the getting thereof he loseth himself? Suppose a man goeth to the Indies for gold and he loadeth his ship therewith. But at his return, that sea that carried him thither swallows him up. Now, what has he got? But this is but a lean similitude with reference to the matter in hand, to wit, to set forth the loss of the soul. Suppose a man that has been at the Indies for gold should, at his return, himself be taken by them of Algiers, and there made a slave of, and there be hunger bit, and beaten till his bones are broken. What has he got? What is he advantaged by his rich adventure? Perhaps you will say he has got gold enough to obtain his ransom. Indeed, this may be. And therefore, no similitude can be found that can fully amplify the matter. For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Tis a loss that standeth by itself. There is not another like it or unto which it may be compared. Tis only like itself, tis singular, tis the chief of all losses, the highest, the greatest loss. For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? A man may lose his wife, his children, his estate, his liberty and his life, and have all made up again, and have all restored with advantage, and may therefore notwithstanding all these losses be far enough off from losing of himself. For he may lose his life and save it. Yea, sometimes the only way to save that is to lose it. But when a man has lost himself, his soul, then all is gone to all intents and purposes. There is no word says, He that loses his soul shall save it. But contrariwise, the text supposeth that a man has lost his soul and then demands if any can answer it. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? All then, that he gains that loseth his soul is only this. He has gained a loss, he has purchased the loss of losses. He has purchased the loss of losses. He has nothing left him now but his loss, but the loss of himself, of his whole self. He that loseth his life for Christ shall save it. But he that loseth himself for sin and for the world shall lose himself to perfection of loss. He has lost himself, and there is the full point. There are several things fall under this first head, upon which I would touch a little. He that has lost himself will never be more at his own dispose. One, he that has lost his soul has lost himself. Now he that lost himself is no more at his own dispose. While a man enjoys himself, he is at his own dispose. A single man, a free man, a rich man, a poor man, any man that enjoys himself, is at his own dispose. I speak after the manner of men. But he that has lost himself is not at his own dispose. He is, as I may say, now out of his own hands. HE HAS LOST HIMSELF, HIS SOUL-SELF, HIS OWN-SELF, HIS WHOLE-SELF, BY SIN AND WRATH AND HELL hath FOUND HIM, HELL HATH FOUND HIM. HE IS, THEREFORE, NOW NO MORE AT HIS OWN DISPOSE, BUT AT THE DISPOSE OF JUSTICE, OF WRATH AND HELL. HE IS COMMITTED TO PRISON, TO HELL-PRISON, THERE TO ABIDE, NOT AT PLEASURE, NOT AS LONG and as LITTLE TIME AS HE WILL. But the term appointed by his judge, nor may he there choose his own affliction, neither for manner, measure, or continuance. It is God that will spread the fire and brimstone under him. It is God that will pile up wrath upon him. And it is God himself that will blow the fire. And the breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. And thus it is manifest that he that has lost himself, his soul, is no more at his own dispose. But at the dispose of them that find him, he that hath lost himself is not at liberty to dispose of what he hath. Two, again, as he that has lost himself is not at his own dispose, so neither is he at liberty to dispose of what he has, for the man that has lost himself has something yet of his own. The text implies that his soul is his when lost, yea, when that and his all himself is lost. But as he cannot dispose of himself, so he cannot dispose of what he hath. Let me take leave to make out my meaning. If he that is lost, that has lost himself, has not, notwithstanding, something that in some sense may be called his own, then he that is lost is nothing. The man that is in hell has yet the powers, the senses, and passions of his soul. For not he nor his soul must be thought to be stripped of these. For then he would be lower than the brute. But yet all these, since he is there, are by God improved against himself. Or, if you will, The point of this man's sword is turned against his own heart and made to pierce his own liver. The soul, by being in hell, loseth nothing of its aptness to think, its quickness to pierce, to pry, and to understand. Nay, hell has ripened it in all these things. But I say the soul, with its improvements as to these or anything else, is not in the hand of him that hath lost himself to manage for his own advantage, but in the hand and in the power, and to be disposed as is thought meet by him, into whose revenging hand by sin he has delivered himself, to wit, in the hand of God. So then, God now has the victory, and disposeth of all the powers, senses, and passions of the soul for the chastising of him, that has lost himself. Now the understanding is only employed and improved in and about the apprehending of such things as will be like daggers at the heart, to wit about justice, sin, hell, and eternity, to grieve and break the spirit of the damned, yea, to break, to wound, and to tear the soul in pieces. The depths of sin which the man has loved The good nature of God, whom the man has hated, the blessings of eternity, which the soul has despised, shall now be understood by him more than ever, but yet so only, as to increase grief and sorrow by improving of the good and of the evil of the things understood to the greater wounding of the spirit. Wherefore now, every touch that the understanding shall give to the memory, will be as a touch of a red-hot iron, or like a draught of scalding lead poured down the throat. The memory also letteth those things down upon the conscience, with no less terror and perplexity. And now the fancy or imagination doth start and stare like a man by fears bereft of wits, and doth exercise itself, or rather, is exercised by the hand of revenging justice. SO ABOUT THE breadth AND DEPTH OF PRESENT AND FUTURE PUNISHMENTS, AS TO LAY THE SOUL AS ON A BURNING RACK. NOW ALSO THE JUDGEMENT, AS WITH A MIGHTY MAUL, DRIVETH DOWN THE SOUL IN THE SENSE AND PANGS OF EVERLASTING MISERY INTO THAT PIT THAT HAS NO BOTTOM. YEA, IT TURNETH AGAIN, AND AS WITH A HAMMER, IT riveteth EVERY FEARFUL THOUGHT AND APPREHENSION OF THE SOUL SO FAST That it can never be loosed again for ever and ever. Alas, now the conscience can sleep, be dull, be misled or batter no longer. No, it must now cry out. Understanding will make it, memory will make it, fancy or imagination will make it. Now, I say, it will cry out of sin, of justice, and of the terribleness of the punishment that hath swallowed him up that has lost himself. Here will be no forgetfulness, yet nothing shall be thought on but that which will wound and kill. Here will be no time, cause or means for diversion. All will stick and gnaw like a viper. Now the memory will go out to where sin was heretofore committed. It will also go out to the word that did forbid it. The understanding also, and the judgment too, will now consider of the pretended necessity, that the man had to break the commandments of God and of the seasonableness of the cautions and of the convictions which were given him to forbear, by all which more load will be laid upon him that has lost himself. For here all the powers, senses, and passions of the soul must be made self-burners, self tormentors, self-executioners by the just judgment of God. Also All that the will shall do in this place shall be but to wish for ease. But the wish shall only be such as shall only seem to lift up. For the cable rope of despair shall with violence pull him down again. The will indeed will wish for ease, and so will the mind, etc. But all these wishers will by wishing arrive to no more advantage but to make despair which is the most twinging stripe of hell to cut yet deeper into the whole soul of him that has lost himself. Wherefore, after all that can be wished for, they return again to their burning chair, where they sit and bewail their misery. Thus will all the powers, senses, and passions of the soul of him that has lost himself be out of his own power to dispose for his advantage, was for his advantage, and will be only in the hand and under the management of the revenging justice of God. And herein will that state of the damned be worse than it is now with the fallen angels. For though the fallen angels are now cast down to hell, in chains, and sure in themselves at last, to partake of eternal judgment, yet at present they are not so bound up as the damned sinner shall be, for notwithstanding their chains and there being the prisoners of the horrible hells, yet they have a kind of liberty granted them, and that liberty will last till the time appointed, to tempt, to plot, to contrive, and invent their mischiefs against the Son of God and His. And though Satan knows that this at last will work for his future condemnation, yet at present he finds it some diversion to his trembling mind, and obtains Through his so busily employing of himself against the gospel and its professors, something to sport and refresh himself with all. Yea, and doth procure to himself some small crumbs of minutes of forgetfulness, of his own present misery, and of the judgment that is yet to pass upon him. But this privilege will then be denied to him that has lost himself. There will be no cause nor matter for diversion. There it will. As in the old world, rain day and night, fire and brimstone from the Lord out of heaven upon them. Misery is fixed. The worm will be always sucking at and gnawing of their soul. Also, as I have said afore, all the powers, senses, and passions of the soul will throw their darts inwards. Yea, of God will be made to do it to the utter unspeakable, an endless torment of him that has lost himself. Again they cannot sit down by the loss. 3. All therefore that he that has lost himself can do is to sit down by the loss. Do I say, he can do this? Oh, if that could be, it would be to such a mercy. I must therefore here correct myself, that they cannot do, for to sit down by the loss implies a patient enduring but there will be no such grace as patience in hell with him that has lost himself. Here will also want a bottom for patience, to wit, the providence of God. For a providence of God, though never so dismal, is a bottom for patience to the afflicted. But men go not to hell by providence, but by sin. Now sin being the cause, other effects are wrought. For they that go to hell, And that they miserably perish shall never say it was god by his providence that brought them hither and so shall not have that on which to lean and stay themselves they shall justify god and lay the fault upon themselves concluding that it was sin with which their souls did voluntarily work yea which their souls did suck in as sweet milk that is the cause of this their torment now this will work after another manner and will produce quite another thing than patience or a patient enduring of their torment for their seeing that they are not only lost but have lost themselves and that against the ordinary means that of god was provided to prevent that loss yea when they shall see what a base thing sin is how that it is the very worst of things and that which also makes all things bad and that for the sake of that they have lost themselves, this will make them fret and gnash and gnaw with anger themselves. This will set all the passions of the soul, save love, for that I think will be stark dead, all in a rage, all in a self-tormenting fire. You know there is nothing that will sooner put a man into and manage his rage against himself than will a full conviction in his conscience that by his own only folly, and that against caution, and counsel, and reason to the contrary, he hath brought himself into extreme distress and misery. But how much more will it make this fire burn, when he shall see all this is come upon him for a toy, for a bauble, for a thing that is worse than nothing? Why this is the case with him that has lost himself, and therefore he cannot sit down by the loss, cannot be at quiet under the sense of his loss. For sharply and wonderful piercingly, considering the loss of himself and the cause thereof, which is sin, he falls to a tearing of himself in pieces with thoughts as hot as the coals of juniper, and to a gnashing upon himself for this. Also the divine wisdom and justice of God helpeth on this self tormentor in his self-tormenting work by holding the justice of the law against which he is offended, and the unreasonableness of such offense continually before his face. For if, to an enlightened man who is in the door of hope, the sight of all past evil practices will work in him vexation of spirit, to see what fools we were, how can it but be to them that go to hell a vexation only to understand the report The report that God did give them of sin, of His grace, of hell, and of everlasting damnation, and yet that they should be such fools to go thither. But to pursue this head no further, I will come now to the next thing. The loss of the soul, a double loss. Secondly, as the loss of the soul is in the nature of the loss, a loss peculiar to itself, So the loss of the soul is a double loss. It is, I say, a loss that is double, lost both by man and God. Man has lost it, and by that loss has lost himself. God has lost it, and by that loss it is cast away. And to make this a little plainer unto you, I suppose it will be readily granted that men do lose their souls. But now, how doth God lose it? The soul is God's as well as man's, man's because it is of themselves, God's because it is his creature. God has made us this soul, and hence it is that all souls are his. Now the loss of the soul doth not only stand in the sin of man, but in the justice of God. Hence, he says, what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? Now this last clause, or be cast away, is not spoken to show what he that has lost his soul has done, though a man may also be said to cast away himself. But to show what God will do to those that have lost themselves, what God will add to that loss. God will not cast away a righteous man, but God will cast away the wicked, such a wicked one as by the text, is under our consideration. This then is that which God will add, and so make the sad state of them that lose themselves double. The man for sin has lost himself, and God by justice will cast him away. According to that of Abigail to David, the soul of my Lord, said she, shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling, so that here is God's hand as well as man's, man's by sin and God's by justice. God shall cast them away. Wherefore in the text above mentioned he doth not say, or cast away himself, as meaning the act of the man whose soul is lost, but or be cast away, supposing a second person joining with the man himself in the making up of the greatness of the loss of the soul, to wit, God Himself, who will verily cast away that man who has lost himself. God shall cast them away, that is, exclude them His favor or protection, and deliver them up to the due reward of their deed. He shall shut them out of His heaven and deliver them up to their hell. He shall deny them a share in His glory and shall leave them to their own shame. He shall deny them a portion in His peace, and shall deliver them up to the torments of the devil and of their own guilty consciences. He shall cast them out of His affection, pity, and compassion, and shall leave them to the flames that they by sin have kindled, and to the worm or biting cockatrice that they themselves have hatched, nursed, and nourished in their bosoms, and this will make their loss double. And so a loss that is lost to the uttermost, a loss above every loss, a loss above every loss. A man may cast away himself and not be cast away of God. A man may be cast away by others and not be cast away of God, but not be cast away of God. Yea, what way soever a man be cast away, if he be not cast away for sin, he is safe, he is yet found and in a sure hand. But for a man so to lose himself as by that loss to provoke God to cast him away too, this is fearful. The casting away, then, mentioned in Luke, is a casting away by the hand of God, by the revenging hand of God. And it supposeth two things, one, God's abhorrence of such a soul, two, God's just repaying of it for its wickedness by way of retaliation. 1. It supposeth God's abhorrence of the soul, that which we abhor that we cast from us, and put out of our favor and respect with disdain, and a loathing thereof. So when God teacheth Israel to loathe and abhor their idols, he bids them to cast away their very covering as a stinking and menstruous cloth, and to say unto it, Get you hence! He shall gather the good into vessels, and cast the bad away, cast them out of my presence. Well, but whither must they go? The answer is, into hell, into utter darkness, into the fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. Wherefore to be cast away, to be cast away of God, it showeth unto us God's abhorrence of such souls and how vile and loathsome such are in his divine eyes. And the similitude of Abigail's sling, mentioned before, doth yet further show us the greatness of this abhorrence. The souls of thine enemies, said she, God shall sling out as out of the middle of a sling. When a man casts a stone away with a sling, then he casteth it furthest from him, for with a sling he can cast a stone further than by his hand. And he, saith the text, shall cast them away as with a sling, but that is not all neither, for it is not only said that he shall sling away their souls, but that he shall sling them away as out of the middle of a sling. When a stone is placed to be cast away in the middle of a sling, then doth the slinger cast it furthest of all. Now God is the slinger, abhorrence is his sling, The lost soul is the stone, and it is placed in the very middle of the sling, and is from thence cast away. And therefore it is said again that such shall go into utter outer darkness, that is, furthest off of all. This therefore shows us how God abhors that man that for sin has lost himself. And well he may, for such an one has not only polluted and defiled himself with sin, and that is the most offensive thing to God under heaven, but he has abused the handiwork of God. The soul, as I said before, is the workmanship of God, yea, the top piece that he hath made in all the visible world. Also, he made it for to be delighted with it, and to admit it into communion with himself. Now for man thus to abuse God, for a man to take his soul, which is God's, and prostrated to sin, to the world, to the devil, and every beastly lust flat against the command of God, and notwithstanding the soul was also His. This is horrible, and calls aloud upon that God whose soul this is to abhor, and to show by all means possible, His abhorrence of such an one. two. As this casting of them away supposeth God's abhorrence of them, so it supposeth God's just repaying of them for their wickedness by way of retaliation. God all the time of the exercise of His long-suffering and forbearance towards them did call upon them, wait upon them, send after them by His messengers to turn them from their evil ways. But they despised that, they mocked, the messengers of the Lord, Also they shut their eyes, and would not see. They stopped their ears, and would not understand, and did harden themselves against the beseeching of their God. Yea, all that day long He did stretch out His hand towards them, but they chose to be a rebellious and gainsaying people. Yea, they said unto God, Depart from us, and what is the Almighty that we should pray unto Him? And of all these things God takes notice, writes them down, and seals them up for the time to come, and will bring them out and spread them before them, saying, I have called, and you have refused. I have stretched out mine hand, and no man regarded. I have exercised patience and gentleness and long suffering towards you, and in all that time you despised me and cast me behind your back. And now the time and the exercise of my patience when I waited upon you and suffered your manners and did bear your contempts and scorns is at an end. Wherefore, I will now arise and come forth to the judgment that I have appointed. But Lord, saith the sinner, we turn now. But now, saith God, turning is out of season. The day of my patience is ended. But Lord, says the sinner, Behold our cries. But you did not, says God, behold, nor regard my cries. But Lord, saith the sinner, let our beseeching find place in thy compassions. But, saith God, I also beseeched, and I was not heard. But Lord, says the sinner, our sins lie hard upon us. But I offered you pardon when time was, says God, and then you did utterly reject it. But, Lord, says the sinner, let us therefore have it now. But now the door is shut, saith God. And what then? Why then, by way of retaliation, God will serve them as they have served Him. And so the wind-up of the whole will be this, they shall have like for like. Time was when they would have none of Him, and now will God have none of them. Time was when they cast God behind their back and now he will cast away their soul. Time was when they would not heed his calls, and now he will not heed their cries. Time was when they abhorred him, and now his soul also abhorreth them. This is now by way of retaliation, like for like, scorn for scorn, repulse for repulse, contempt for contempt. According to that which is written, therefore it is come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear so they cried and i would not hear saith the lord and thus i have also showed you that the loss of the soul is double lost by man lost by god lost by god but oh who thinks of this who I say that now makes light of God, of his word, his servants and ways, once dreams of such retaliation, though God to warn them hath even, in the day of his patience, threatened to do it in the day of his wrath, saying, Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh, when your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. I will do unto them as they have done unto me. And what unrighteousness is in all this? But...